0: I'm gonna tell you two stories this morning. Both are true. They're related, even though they happened thousands of years apart. One deals with a woman who wasn't drunk, and the other deals with a church that isn't perfect. <clears throat> and we begin in 1 Samuel 1 with a man whom I believe is one of the more insensitive men in the Old Testament. His name is Elkanah. He was a mountain man from the heights north of Jerusalem. He had a wife named Peninnah. And he had a wife named Hannah. And I think you can see without being a biblical scholar that already there's potential for trouble and conflict. And to compound the situation, Peninnah had bore him several children and Hannah had not. And of course, back in those times, childbearing was a mark of God's grace, of God's blessing upon you. Penina never let Hannah forget that. Now, Hannah and his family were making their annual pilgrimage to Shiloh to worship, to sacrifice to the Lord, and we pick up the story in 1 Samuel 1, verse 6. So Penina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Have you ever been disappointed? Have you ever wanted something, hoped for something, wished for something, didn't happen? It's not a good feeling. I could easily have asked, have you breathed today, eaten this week? Of course you've been disappointed. We've all been disappointed. It's not a happy feeling. But let's be honest. Were you disappointed because you had expectations that God didn't meet? Or were you disappointed because God let you down? I think he didn't let you down. I think the expectations we have sometimes lead to a disappointment because we put on God unrealistic expectations. More families have been torn asunder. More marriages ripped apart at the seams. More relationships broken and twisted beyond repair because of unreal, unwise, definitely unrealistic expectations. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. And I wouldn't be surprised if somewhere down in the footnotes maybe it says, don't set unrealistic expectations on God because you'll be disappointed. Our Heavenly Father knows what's best for us, and He guides His children in the most loving, spirit-building way. And often, He answers on His own timetable. Now, was, was it wrong for Hannah to want a son? Was it? No, no. Of course not. Neither was it wrong for Elizabeth in the New Testament to want a son. In fact, Zechariah, her husband, had prayed many times for Elizabeth to get pregnant. And when he was an old man and had quit praying, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said his prayer was answered. My prayer? (laughs) I'm not praying. I'm just here making the sacrifice. What prayer are you talking about? And the angel said, the prayer that you quit praying a long time ago, that prayer, God answered. Now, if he had answered that prayer years earlier, when, when uh, Elizabeth was of childbearing age, she would have had a nice little Jewish boy. They would have loved him. And no one had ever heard of him. That was the end of the story. Yes, Zechariah, your prayer was answered on God's timetable because you and your wife trust in God. He has chosen you, of all the people in the world, he has chosen you, Zechariah, to have a son and you'll call his name John and everyone shall know about him because he'll point people to Jesus, the Messiah. And furthermore, this incident is going to be uh, recorded in Luke chapter 1. Okay, maybe the angel didn't get that specific. But we today know about Zechariah and Elizabeth and their son because God answered that prayer on his timetable. Miriam was on God's timetable when uh, she entrusted baby Moses to the Egyptian princess, because it was God's time and His plan to raise up a leader for the Israelites. And Sarah and Abraham were on God's timetable when they had their son, and being parents in their 90s, <laughs> because that was God's plan and timing. In fact, The most famous birth of all came exactly when God said it would. Galatians 4.4, we read, in the fullness of time, uh, more contemporary translation is, when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God had and has all the time in the world, and he chose exactly the right time for Jesus to be born. As we shall see, Hannah also was the benefit of God's perfect timing. So let's take a moment and look at uh, Elkanah's response to a tearful Hannah fraught with hurt and the object of ridicule and just see how masterfully Elkanah responds. Okay, that's a little sarcasm. Why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than ten sons? (laughs) Ladies, those times when your husband has no clue as how to deal with your feelings. Just remember poor Hannah. Elkanah could have said, you're more important to me than, than ten sons. Just a little twist, but a whole lot of difference there. But look how more specifically Hannah's prayer request was heard by Eli, who also, like Elkanah, didn't provide comfort immediately, at least not at first. First Samuel, we're reading now in verse 9. There. Let, let's start with verse 8. As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged. And I was pouring out my heart to the Lord Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. Some questions take a moment to consider. Where are you going on vacation next year? Do you want to wear the the blue outfit or the burgundy one? What kind of dressing would you like on your salad? But some questions I know you're answering in advance. Here's one of those questions. Have you ever been misunderstood? Of course you have. I have. It happens all the time. We all have been misunderstood, and it hurts. It hurts a lot because usually there's an element of judgment that's at play. Thank goodness God looks at the heart, but man looks at the outside and he sees what he wants to see. He makes the conclusions he wants to make. And when it's wrong, it hurts. It really hurts. It's like a piece of your soul being ripped out. Eli judged Hannah, most likely from past experiences. Most times, if not every time, he had seen someone with, acting the way Hannah did That person was drunk with wine. So Eli assumed that was the case here. You recall the crowd made the same misinterpretation at Pentecost. It was early in the morning, but they said uh, these disciples must, must be drunk. They weren't, of course, and Hannah wasn't either. She was pouring her heart out to the Lord. Eli just didn't understand And you've been there too, right? People didn't understand as you were trying to convey how you really felt. Fortunately, Hannah stood up for herself. Let's read that, Let's read that again and uh, begin with verse 15. Oh no, sir, she replied, I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged. And I was pouring my heart out to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again. And she was no longer sad. She was no longer sad. Now think about it. How many sons did Hannah have when she first made the trip to Shiloh and poured out her heart to God in anguish? How many? None, right? And how many sons did she have when she got ready to return to her her home in Ramah? Still none. So what changed? More importantly, is there a lesson here for us? Well, what changed is that now she had a word from God. Abraham left his home in Ur of the Chaldeans because he had a word from God. Paul redirected his missionary trip to go to the Macedonians because he had a word from God. And have you ever heard someone say, When they're facing a difficult situation that they don't think can be done then they'll say only one person ever walked on water and he was the son of God well that's not that's partially true he is the son of God but he wasn't the only person to walk on water Peter walked on water for a while too why did Peter leave the safety of the boat and step out on the water because he had a word from God. Jesus said, come, come on. And when we have a word from God, it, it, it strengthened us. And Hannah had a word from God, a promise to hold on to. When God speaks to us through his word, through the spirit directly, sometimes even through other people, when God speaks to us, we have something to hold on to, something more precious than gold. We have God's word, and he never, ever, ever, ever fails to keep his word. Hannah knew that. And her sadness turned to mountains of joy. Hannah knew that. And I hope that you know that too. Drop down to verse 20. And in due time, she gave birth to a son she named him Samuel for she said I ask the Lord for him no surprise here God kept his word she named him Samuel which literally means heard by God and Hannah kept her word no, no surprise here either when you consider how evident it was that she was a devout woman a woman of faith a woman who could be trusted to keep a vow that she had made to God. She gave Samuel to the Lord. Verse 26. Hannah's talking to Eli at a future time. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request. Now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his entire life. So let's explore that a little further. She put Samuel into Eli's care to serve in the tabernacle once he was ready to stand on his own. So he was able to keep his part of her vow. And she didn't present Samuel to Eli with a bunch of conditions, with strings attached. Now, this is important. She didn't present Samuel to Eli with a whole list of do's and don'ts. Now, every evening, you know, he, he, he likes to do such and such and, and remember to, re, to, to have him do so and so and, and don't let him forget this and that. No. She didn't present Samuel to Eli with one hand and then try to hold on to him with the other and we could talk a couple of hours about giving our cares, our problems, our needs to God we won't, thank goodness but wouldn't that be a great title for a future message casting some of your cares on him because isn't that what a lot of us do Hannah didn't Hannah did not hold on. Mary had to let go of Jesus. Woman, why are you troubling me? Elizabeth had to let go of John the Baptist. Zechariah, you have to do something about that son of yours. He's out in the wilderness eating locusts and honey and who knows what and dunking people in the river. And Hannah had to let go of Samuel. And she did. But letting go does not mean forgetting. On the contrary, you can be sure that that Hannah continued to treasure her son, praying for him often. In fact, Samuel would be used by God to a far greater extent than Hannah ever dreamed of. Because Samuel was sensitive to God's calling, It didn't take more than a couple of times for him to realize that he was hearing the voice of God. Even Eli, who was a failure as a spiritual leader and an even greater failure as a father, recognized God's hand upon Samuel. And there was an additional way that Hannah showed her concern, her love, her attachment to Samuel. First Samuel 2:19 tells of a motherly act that many of us learned as preschoolers. Each year his mother made a small coat for him and brought it to him when she came with her husband for the sacrifice. Every year as the boy grew, Hannah made a coat and brought it to him when they came for their annual pilgrimage. A new coat, a necessity in that climate. Um, greater necessity because children grow, get bigger. Uh, I speak from experience. Uh, we would buy my son a new pair of shoes, and by the time we got home, they wouldn't fit. <laughs> You've been there. Hannah showed her love and support with, with a new coat every year. And then one more thought. Just as Miriam gave up Moses, and it not only saved his life, He became the leader that blessed the entire Israelite nation. This happened because God was answering two prayers at the same time. The second one being the prayer of the Israelites' people who were crying out for deliverance from their bondage. And although Samuel would have been the cornerstone of Hannah's family, not only did it work out that he was a blessing to her, But he became the influential prophet that blessed all of Israel. Hannah was more blessed than if she had held on to him. Now, the second part of of the story is about that imperfect church I mentioned. Guess what? I'm talking about us. (laughs) Like Morton Community Church. Like Hannah... We had a need, and we prayed about it, requesting an answer from the Lord. And like like Hannah, God answered our prayer and provided exactly what we needed when the time was right. Now, like Hannah, it's time for us to turn our new lead pastor over to the Lord. Now, how do we do that? How do do we do that and still support him? How do we accept him into our family and let the same time allow God to use him and lead him. Well, most analogies break down at at some point, but I think we can look at Hannah's case as a local body and learn some valuable lessons when it comes to how to receive and relate to a new pastor. So let's look at seven ways. One, help him get started. You think it's awesome, challenging, and a tad bit frightening to be getting a new pastor? Think how that new pastor and his family feel about coming here, about a life-changing decision. We have to calm any normal apprehensions, calm any fears that come, help him get started. Accepting Caleb and Ashley and Charlotte not only into our community, into our church body, but into our hearts, into our lives. That will free them from any anxiety. That'll help them to move ahead in the Lord. Second, let God lead him without reservation. Remember, Hannah didn't present Samuel to Eli with a list of do's and don'ts. Now, most of us have a list of things we want to see like Morton do and achieve or at least attempt, that's okay. But for now, lay that list aside. At least take them off the, you gotta do this right now first list. Be like Hannah who trusted God to speak directly to Samuel, which of course he did. Number three, accept that he is human. Caleb Price will not be the perfect pastor, and that's all right, because we're not the perfect church. What we are are real people who've experienced real grace, and we share that real grace with others. So be quick to forgive and share that grace with Pastor Caleb. He'll need it because he'll make mistakes. Don't compare him to other pastors you've had or to the perfect pastor. Some of us who are elders for a long time know more vividly some of the mistakes that Pastor Brian made. And that doesn't make us love him any less. Everyone suffers when comparisons are made and when expectations are set too high. In the early 1960s, the late Johnny Cash recorded a song called Smiling Bill McCall. Never made it to the top 40, but you can still find it on YouTube. The song tells about a fellow in Nashville who has a radio program where he played the guitar and sang, and uh, he was idolized by everyone. All the boys wanted a guitar so they could grow up and be a singing star like Smiling Bill McCall, and, and the girls all swooned over him, said he must be at least six feet tall, Probably the handsomest man in Nashville. But at the end of the song, it's revealed that Bill McCall was over four feet tall, and that all of his friends laughed at his bald head. <laughs> Lower your expectations. People of Israel grumbled against Moses, who had been God's leader to take them out of Egypt. When things got rough, when they faced challenges, they wanted to go back to Egypt. Not very realistic. Unrealistic expectations ruin more relationships than practically anything else. Number next, pray for him. Pray for Caleb to have wisdom, have discernment, to have a listening heart, to continue to grow in the Lord, to have boldness when necessary, and mercy and grace all the time. Overlook his mistakes. The Holy Spirit will deal with them. You know, a a diamond is a very lovely jewel, but what makes a diamond shine even more is to put it in a good setting. We want Pastor Caleb to be like a precious jewel in the Lake Morton setting, because that glow will enlighten and brighten all of us. Number five, tell him of your support. I'm indebted to one of my Christian brothers for helping me see this the other day. It isn't just enough to support a pastor and to pray for a pastor. That's a good thing. We've already talked about that. But it's not enough just to do that. Once in a while, we have to tell him. Tell him what you're praying for. Tell him that you're supporting him. Let him know. Don't be like the man in the old story whose wife complained, we've been married 30 years and you never tell me you love me anymore. To which he replied, told you I loved you when I married you. Things change, I'll let you know. Tell him. Tell him of your support. Number six, show him in tangible ways. Hannah did more than just pray for Samuel. Remember how she gave him a new coat every year? Oh, and by the way, after Samuel, God gave Hannah three more sons and two more daughters, and we never hear about Penana again. Besides prayer, what other tangible ways can we show support? Well, at least two others come to mind be faithful in attendance. It's okay to listen to other Christian pastors preach sermons. But keep in mind who God gave you, gave us as our primary spiritual leader, as the one called by our Heavenly Father, to feed us a weekly dose of the Word of God. As much as I like Moody Radio, there's not a substitute from hearing the Word of God preached here at this pulpit every week. And be faithful in giving. Money, time, spiritual gifts, you already know that. And you know that such giving honors not only the pastor, but it honors God the Father as well. And finally, remember the basics. Now, what do I mean by this? What are some of the basics? Well, one is to remain positive, don't focus on what's wrong with the church. We're all human. The Holy Spirit will point out to people that need to hear it their mistakes. The Holy Spirit does not point out to us other people's mistakes, other people's sins. So stay positive. And besides focusing on the positive, keep a balance in your life. Someone once said we worship our work, we work at our play, and we play at our worship. The Bible teaches balance, teaches moderation. Don't go overboard on any one thing. Don't overextend, but don't underextend. Use what God has given you, but don't try to be all things to all people or you'll end up being no things to nobody. I know that's a double negative, but you know what I mean. Ed, I'd rather burn out than rust out. My response is, okay, I hear you, but why do you think those are the only two choices? <laughs> do you realize that you might be stealing someone else's blessing by responding when it's not your call? You may be one of, these, one of the people that uh, just wants to jump in and do everything, but Pastor Caleb may be trying to develop some people to see their gifts and to use them in the body too. So strange as it may sound, sometimes it's necessary to step aside. And that's a basic, too. And finally, remember who the shepherd is and who the sheep are. God will correct him if necessary. It's not the job of the sheep to guide the shepherd. I only wrote that once, but I'm going to say that again. It's not the job of the sheep to guide the shepherd. It's the job of the one who owns the sheep to guide the shepherd. So, help him get started. Let God lead him. Accept that he is human. Pray for him. Tell him of your support. Show him your support in tangible ways. And Remember the basics. Like Hannah, we at Lake Morton had a need. A void to be filled. A godly desire. A a prayer that we lifted up to God Almighty and to provide for us. And like Hannah, our prayer was answered and heard and answered in a marvelous way. And now we can love our pastor, provide for him, pray for him, help him grow, accept him as a gift from our loving Heavenly Father, but ultimately, symbolically, when it comes to control, like Hannah, We must turn him over to the Lord because after all he is to be our pastor not our possession. Pray with me. Father thank you for helping us to see a little bit of what you see as our role as church members relating to a new pastor. We commit ourselves, Lord, because we know he's the person that you led here. And we thank you for the wonderful blessing that we're about to receive. And to you is due all praise and glory. Amen.